you see yourself as part of the system and you start like questioning what can you do you know to avoid it and then that's what i started asking myself like how can we change things here how can we improve things because you have the voice to choose the the world you want to have in the future. So you had 10,000 people, locals and tourists all coming together to clean this beach. And as a result, sea turtles come back to the beach for the first time in years. That just gives me chills. Right. <laughs> Welcome to Badass Digital Nomads, where we're pushing the boundaries of remote work and travel, all while staying grounded with a little bit of old school philosophy, self-development, and business advice from our guests. Hello, hello there. Good morning, afternoon, or evening, wherever you are today. Kristen from Traveling with Kristen here, and welcome to episode 133 of Badass Digital Nomads. My guests today are a couple named Luana and Tom Simonson, the founders of a company called Lutom, an eco-friendly lifestyle brand that makes multifunctional exercising, traveling, and nomading clothing and products and inspires people to buy consciously. Originally from Brazil, Luana is a former Cirque du Soleil costume designer who was inspired to quit her dream job and create her own company after touring the world with Cirque and seeing all of the pollution that they generated and also witnessing it in the countries that she visited. I first found out about Luana's work in a local Miami magazine, and so I looked her up online and checked out some of the work that she was doing. That led me to buy her book, The Eco-Savvy Traveler Guidebook, which I read cover to cover in just one sitting. After reading this book, which gave me so many ideas for how to travel more sustainably, things that I have never thought of in 20 years, I reached out to her and asked her and Tom to come on the show and share their stories and advice. So in this interview, you'll learn some really easy and practical ways to reduce waste and live more eco-friendly in your everyday life. Also, how to travel more sustainably. You'll also learn more about some of the products that she makes and the creative and sustainable materials that she uses to make them, all locally sourced from the places she's visited around the world, from toothbrushes to work-from-home loungewear. You know, even though it often seems like saving the planet or saving the environment is a really overwhelming task and a job for someone else to do, a president, a government, an organization, a nonprofit. I hope that this podcast today is one small step in thinking a little bit differently about how we live, work, and travel and making some different small but very impactful choices in your day-to-day -day life. And as usual, you can find all the resources for today's episode in the show notes or on badassdigitalnomads.com. Enjoy. Well, welcome Luana and Tom. You guys have a name like Benefer. <laughs> Lou Tom. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. We didn't plan it. Well, yeah, it just kind of happened that way. <laughs> I love it. And then, yeah, we end up like creating a brand with our names. <laughs> yeah. Well, welcome to Badass Digital Nomads. Uh, it's so great to have you here. I wanted to bring you on because, well, I'll tell everybody how I found out about your work is I was reading the Edible magazine, which a lot of U.S. listeners will have heard of because they have it all across the United States. It's like this kind of like local magazine, gourmet magazine, and they have local info in there. And I saw an interview that you guys did on sustainable travel in your, your book, the Eco Savvy Traveler Guidebook. And I was so interested in your story. And of course, being a traveler myself, wanting to know some actual ways that I can be a more sustainable and conscious traveler, because I think it's something that sounds good, like a good plug or headline, but then people don't really know how to implement that in their lives. So I'm glad that you took a chance 
on us and <laughs> you're like, oh, who's this strange person asking me on her podcast? And now here we are. Yes, Not thank wrong, you very much. Sure. Yes. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about your background. Um, I read that you grew up in Brazil. What was that like? And then how did you end up working for Cirque du Soleil? First of all, thank you very much for having us here. It's an honor. So yeah, I'm Brazilian and uh, I was born and raised in Brazil until 21 years old. And I always had this will to travel, you know, and uh, my dream was actually to go to France and do um, a master's there in fashion because I have a bachelor's degree in fashion design. But since it was very expensive, I found out about this all pair internship that basically you go to the place and you live with a family and you look after their kids. And I, I always loved kids. And it happened to be the United States. I found the family here. They were from San Francisco, uh, the Bay Area. I took the chance and I, I, I moved there back in 2009 and the family was extremely sustainable. They were very eco-friendly people. They would shop at the local farmer's market and they would have, they would grow their, their own food too. They would shop in secondhand shops, you know, so I learned a lot with them. And I also got to know about sustainable fashion that there is something that I always like it. I I always love it, like buying secondhand, but I didn't know that that was a thing until I moved there. And then I got the chance to travel to Las Vegas because that was something that, you know, every Brazilian who come to the States wants to do. (laughs) The American dream. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I happened to watch one of Cirque du Soleil shows. I hopefully it's going to go back. Uh, this summer, yeah. Um, after the pandemic, I watched it and I was fascinated with the costumes, you know, the music, everything, the props and uh, the automation. And I put in my mind that I really wanted to work for the company. And uh, things didn't really work out with the family. I was supposed to live with them for a year. I stayed six months. So I came back to Brazil. And uh, my boyfriend at the time, he he really wanted me to stay in Brazil because he knew that I still want to keep on traveling because, you know, I had the taste. <laughs> and uh, he told me, oh, and I, you know what? Cirque du Soleil is in town and they're they're looking for people to, to work as local staff. Why don't you apply now that you can speak English, you know, because that's one of the requirements. And then I applied because... Um, as a parenthesis, like everywhere the cert goes to, they hire local people to help out with, for instance, for the wardrobe, uh, we, we do laundry, you know, we iron the costumes and we paint the shoes and so on. So I was lucky enough to go through the three interviews that I did and I worked with them as their seamstress for a, a month. That was the time that they, they stay in Rio and I made friends with the wardrobe team and one of them even stayed in my place because they were moving to Sao Paulo, but they wanted to see Carnival in Rio because it was February, so it was Carnival and they got the chance, you know, to go to the parade and everything. And uh, yeah, we made friends. And then three years later, when I was already like traveling around because after this experience in the United States, I came back to Brazil and then I went to Switzerland and France, you know, and I was traveling. So three years later, they reached out to me through Facebook asking me if I would want to to do another interview, but this time to work on tour with them. And I was like, wow, <laughs> yeah, that's a dream, you know? Yeah. And that's how things happen. And I first started with them in Macon, Georgia, here in the United States. And then I stay with them for six years. <laughs> wow. And how many countries have you been to total? I've been to 53 countries. Wow. I think you you travel to more or less. Yeah. How many again? 51? About 60. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, That's But I'm impressive. sure you've been to some really different countries from that tour because they go everywhere. I read a lot in your book about a lot through Southeast Asia and India. Yes. What were some of the favorite places that you traveled to during that time? Mm, I love it, Greece. Mm-hmm. I know it, it can be very touristic, but I went to this island called Lindos. That means 
beautiful in Portuguese and indeed it was beautiful. I love it. New Zealand. Israel was quite interesting too, the Dead Sea. It's hard, you know, because every place has something special, either if it's the food or the people, you know, or the style, because, yeah, I was always looking for secondhand stores too, or like uh, small boutiques or organic cafes, you know, and, and of course, like nature, I would always look for yeah a place to go like a park to hike or you know a beach to to see yeah and when was it that you started to notice the really incredible amounts of pollution not just in the countries that you were visiting but also that you were creating indirectly through traveling with this circus i mean any any organization that's going on tour, anyone who's traveling, anything that's moving around, it's creating a lot of waste. But when did you start to notice that? And when did you decide that you wanted to do something about it? In fact, I started since I would say day one, you know, <laughs> because uh, as a matter of fact, I, I put on my book, my first experience when I arrived to Macon that I took a ride with a police officer <laughs> because the the airport was such a small one that he he thought that I, I was in the wrong airport. You know, I, he thought that I, I, I need to take another plane to go somewhere else because it was like, I think you're the first Brazilian to come to Macon. And uh, I've I never him, been there. <laughs> right? <laughs> Do not That's missing not anything, honestly. I'm sorry, people from Macon. <laughs> so... <laughs> He he offered me a ride because he said that there was no cabs running at that time. And uh, I was surprised to see and uh, quite happy to see that they would give fines. You know, there were signs on the road saying that they would give fines if you litter. And then he was like, well, but look at around the, the road, you know, and indeed that was like very polluted. And then when I got to the hotel, I saw him throwing his cup through the window you know out in the road and was like no way I should have spoken to him more you know the consequences of it and yeah but we can't blame ourselves for not being able to educate everyone that we can you know we try so you're in sitting in a police car getting a ride from the airport and talking about trash and litter and like the signs because they are very prescient in the U.S. there's all of these signs that say don't litter and I remember thinking that in elementary school and then seeing people littering on the highway and being like, they're going to get arrested or they're going to get fined. And so you're talking <laughs> about this. And then the, sa the very same police officer just throws his styrofoam cup out the window on the way out. I mean, that's just so exactly sad. frustrating. Yeah. And uh, when I got to the show, I could see like the amount of waste we are creating too, right? Uh, we had a great program with Mac the makeup supplier that we had that they have uh, back to max so basically uh, for the the listeners true this is great like if you have six empty containers from mac you can exchange for a brand new lipstick so you just have to bring to the store oh right yeah but this was like very minimal <laughs> comparing to to the other things that we produce you know and people they just didn't care and uh I think also, I, I mentioned this on the book, is that people, they're leaving the place so they don't really get attached to it. You know, you're in a hotel room, so someone's going to come and pick up your trash in the end of the day. So we don't really see where that goes to. And you have like plastic bottles that are offered on a daily basis in your hotel. And you, if you're thirsty, you're just going to open one by habit and drink, you know, instead of, carrying and having your own reusable water bottle. I would go to the gym of the hotel if there was one or to the reception and try to fill out in the water fountain. So going back to your question, when we would leave the city because we would stay a week a city when we would pack all the road cases, you know, from the shows, then I would see like the amount of garbage that we were leaving behind. And that that was really like hurting myself inside you see yourself as part of the system and you start like questioning what can you do you know to avoid it 
And then that's what I started asking myself, like, how can we change things here? How can we improve things? Yeah, I think that's part of the conflict that I know I feel internally. Like even when I was reading your book the other day, I, I got the ebook version and I was sitting at Starbucks reading it and I brought my own, I have like my own refillable cup and water bottles and all that stuff. And then I was like, oh, I'm hungry. And then I went to look at the food and I realized like every single item is wrapped in single use plastic. And you when you realize how integrated these habits are and how prevalent these materials are and the amount of friction that it seemingly takes to not be a part of that. I mean, the stakes are really high. So I like what you came up with. So instead of reuse, recycle, you have this like rethink, reduce and refuse. Mm -hmm. Can you talk to us about that and why it's important to change the whole paradigm since only a lot of people don't know that only 8.6% of plastics are recycled and people think that they're recycling, but they're really not. And, and that's something that my dad used to work in government. And he used to tell us like, even though the municipality wasn't really publicizing it, they were picking up the recycling, but all of it was just getting dumped in the landfill. And so I thought that's just so horrible to that they're letting people think that they recycle and they're not. Like sometimes I just feel frustrated and I think, is it really gonna make a difference if I don't use a straw, but everybody else mm -hmm. does? And you have this quote in your book that says, it's only one straw, said 8 million people. And then when you think of the number of straws that people use, and, and it's not just straws, but you have all of these crazy statistics in your book, like that billions of cotton swabs, like plastic cotton swabs end up in landfills every year. And the number of toothbrushes that get thrown away, what is it? 1 billion toothbrushes a year in the United States alone, like plastic toothbrushes. And so one of my questions is, on the one hand, like people will say, oh, it's not going to do anything if you stop using straws or if you use a biodegradable toothbrush versus a plastic one. But it seems that people, if everyone's making these choices, that it really will make a difference. And is that what you guys see? Yes, definitely. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like, I, I forget the documentary, but there was one that was all about how it's there was sites. Plastic Wars was all about how recycling was created by the plastic industry to make it look like it's okay to use plastics and that it's just going to be recycled when it in fact doesn't. Like, And they put the recycle symbol on all of the plastics, even though they're not recyclable. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, they chart. came up with a number system. It's like, just yeah. Yeah, to give you hope, it's not even there. Like, For instance, we were big fans of this specific brand of Toothpaste, I don't know if I can mention, but yeah, <laughs> uh, it's Tom's, and uh, we thought that they were really eco friendly and everything. And on this documentary, they mentioned that you know, one of the questions from the, the reporter is like, Why do you guys put the recycling symbol on your toothpaste container if you know that it's not recyclable? You know, and the lid was like, Well, in theory, it is recyclable, <laughs> but how will the consumer? be able to open it up and you know clean so it's it's not recyclable we cannot say that it's recyclable so it's yeah. Yeah, no score companies start out as small companies and they're bought up by bigger corporations like tom's i think was built like bought by a bigger corporation and, and burt's bees yeah burt's they bees started out like great and i mean we still buy burt's bees stuff but yeah yeah it's probably better than some not. but yeah they all get bought, bought up but yeah, when i say to rethink it's exactly about it you know like instead of buying a plastic toothbrush try to buy a, one that's made out of bamboo because you know it's biodegradable as you said and you know small things like try to carry a bag on you so when you go to, to the grocery store you don't need to get the, the plastic mm -hmm. ones you know very small things and as you mentioned like the straw is just the, the it's the pick of the ice i think straw just was a habit like like waiters and wait, they'll give you a straw and you don't like you don't even ask for them. same with a bag they put your stuff in a bag when you go shopping and then you didn't even ask for them. sometimes it's only one item they put it in a bag and it's like hey, i don't need a bag for one item you know? oh yeah you could buy a pack of gum 
Yeah. And people are even scared to kind of like say like, oh, I don't need a bag. And exactly. Like, so like, oh, that's no problem. It's like, yeah, I don't need it. Cause, and that's yeah. why you should refuse it before even they give it to you, you know, because sometimes people, they are shy about saying no, because the person's already like handing you the product inside of the bag. So instead, just say, I don't need a bag, you know, and people, they still look weird at me. Like, why don't you need a bag? Yeah. Like, but just because, you know, and then I, I explain sometimes and they really, they get like shocked about the fact that I tell them, you know, about the plastic pollution. And they even ask like, how come the plastic bag ends up in the ocean, you know, because we are not throwing it in the ocean. We're throwing it in our trash, but, you know, it can go through the water flows from the streets. It can get into the drain. You can pull out of the garbage truck when it's on its way to the landfill or it can just like fly out of your bag you know when you're at the beach and yeah and plastic bags they they are recyclable but not by curbside pickup so you can't put them in your recyclable you have to go to a special place which people aren't usually they're not going to go to the special drop off for all the plastic bags and like it's all about convenience you know and Mm. and like third world countries they don't have the recycling programs like we have where it could even recycle anything, you know, and that's when it ends up like in these on, I don't know what to say, they're not like landfills we have in America and a lot of it goes is dumped into the ocean or even rivers. And that's really sad. Yeah. I've seen that everywhere in, in Costa Rica. Yeah. You could buy a Coca-Cola in a plastic bottle and they'll give it to you in a plastic bag. And (laughs) it does become a habit though, when you can refuse it. So I think rethinking is really important anyway, like, you know, bringing your own utensils and we'll go through a list of your travel tips and your packing tips at the end, because they're really useful things. Like a lot of them that I didn't think about at all. And I'm definitely going to adopt, but tell us a bit about your trip to Seoul in South Korea and how you ended up at the landfill and, and how things are different there. Because I think it's about like just getting a mental picture of how things could be done differently and that we like to talk about the status quo on this podcast and and how we can disrupt that. So yeah, tell us that story. Yeah, I went to Seoul back in 2016. And, you know, I always look for the places that are more close to nature, I would say, like Suichip's parks and beaches and so on. And there I was in the middle of the city. I don't know if you've ever been to Seoul. No. It's very interesting because it's a mix of Oriental, of course, like, and because they're Buddhist. So there is a lot of Buddhist temples around. But at the same time, they're very modern. So it reminds me a lot of the United States, the skyscrapers and so on. And one of my assistants, she is Korean. I would say I was frustrated by the way she would see things and stuff because uh whenever clo- some a piece of cloth would no longer serve her she would throw it in the garbage <laughs> when we were on tour and then um she explained to me that you know they would take care of her garbage you know that they would separate the clothes and <laughs> from the <laughs> from the organic matters you know and recycling and everything and i was like no you, you're wrong you know you cannot Thing that everywhere is the same and then when I got to Korea I understood the, her mindset because there is everything extremely oh. organized in the sense she thought that even putting if she, she would throw her clothes inside of the normal garbage that someone at some point down the line would separate it from the other garbage you know and so that really happens in south korea like they have workers that are actually separating all of the trash for people yes and when i came to to see this landfill i was fascinated by it yes so (laughs) i also mentioned uh, yeah so what happened is i was i was walking in this park and uh I found out that the park was actually a landfill. (laughs) And you couldn't tell from walking through it? No, because, you know, they they are amazing with the way that they separate everything and that they use the organic matters to grow flowers. And we do have a similar landfill that was turned into a park here that's called uh, Vista View. And it's actually 
very close to us. So basically, they cover all the garbage with organic matters and matter. It takes is a process, you know. It takes clay. clay. Yeah, it takes up to, I think, around like fifteen to thirty years. Okay. Of course, like if you have batteries there, unfortunately, the soil will still be contaminated. You know, it's something that it has to be checked in the long term. So that was like an amazing park. They had like gardens of, you know, specific flowers. And you could see like the way that they were um, using the gas, the methane gas from the organic matters to create an energy and electricity. And then I found out that they had uh, almost nine, 99% of the recycling uh, of compost. So everyone would compost, even in the cities, they would have a specific uh, garbage bin for composting. So let's say fruits, you know, and... um, So restaurants could throw their food there? Exactly, yeah. Restaurants or even people who would be passing by, you know, if you're eating a banana, instead of putting in the normal garbage, you throw inside of this designated trash. Okay. That, that's so cool because I found it stunning because I haven't been to South Korea, but how you wrote that the malls would open at four o'clock in the morning and that they have such a consumeristic society. And I'm sure they have a lot of issues as well, like any country, but then for them to be able to recycle and process so much trash and then turn their landfills into parks and then use the methane gas from from that for energy. I mean, that just gives a glimpse of what is possible. And I think that's one of the things that in travel, you can see the good, the bad, and the ugly, right? And uh, I love hearing those kinds of stories. Uh, it really def- it gets your brain running with ideas and questions as why we don't have that. Yeah, and I, I actually turned my stay there into project because I will try to go to these uh, markets of uh, haberdashery and trims, you know, fabrics at the end of the day. So every Friday, I would go there and collect whatever they would leave outside of their stores because it was like a mall. And I would just grab because my Korean friend, again, she said, oh, one of these is garbage, you know, this is going to, to go to the garbage. And I, I couldn't believe. So I got all the trims and I, I made a project out of that. So basically, I had four artists posing for me. So one was from Brazil, one was from Mongolia, the other one from Russia and my Korean friend. And I made the headdresses from each country. So I, I got inspired by each country and I was able to make beautiful headdresses out of this this trash, you know, that became a treasure. <laughs> oh, wow. Do you have any pictures of that? Yes, I do. Yes. I believe they are on my Instagram, but I can send it to you definitely. And I want to see your, your straw costume. Like, didn't you make a clothing out of straws? <laughs> yes. <laughs> So the straws uh, was back in 2017 because in 2015, that's when they found the straw in the turtle, right? Right. And people were shocked about them, that picture. That, that video. Yes. Yeah. It was a very disturbing video. I don't know if you watch it, but they show like... Yeah. But that started the whole straw, you know, controversy. Like there's that one video. So one little thing like that could just snowball into like people being aware of it yes but that's what normally happens right like when a tragic happens or that get, gets attention from people then they decided to to change things so yeah so i saw that and i knew that here in the united states you know everywhere most of the place you would go they would offer you a drink with a straw the straw right inside of the drink so I was shocked when this happened in Germany. You know, I was in Munich in one of my favorite restaurants. They're like a burger's restaurant, but it was kind of unique because they had all these trees as a prop, real trees in the restaurant. And the food was delicious. But they would always like, you could have 10 drinks. They would bring you the 10 drinks with the straw in it, you know? Mm-hmm. And then I, I request them to give me the 
they used straws and they refused, you know, and uh, I started going to other restaurants and gathering straws because I found out that that was not the only place. And even in Belgium, and then I saw myself with around 300 <laughs> straws <laughs> and I decided to make this costume out of these straws. And uh, I was coming to visit Tom and uh, <laughs> I forgot the costume in the airport. Oh, no. That was so frustrating because uh, I had three passports back then and I was on the way here and I packed one of my, my passports, the one that had my American visa in it. So basically I need to wait until, you know, they, they get my suitcase out of the plane. And by the time I was so like, you know, stressed out that I totally forgot the the outfit. But luckily I had the other straws that I kept in my suitcase and I was able to make another one in eight hours. <laughs> and we did a collaboration with Plan the Future. I don't know if you have been to this art gallery here in Miami. Uh, it's, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's in Laredo, Haiti. It's beautiful. Actually, they were in Wynwood originally and they just, you know, opened a very nice place there so yeah so one of my friends uh an artist from Cirque du Soleil was there and she was our model and I did that yeah to to get attention from people to to classic straws and I ended up having so many extra straws that I made like uh my dress for the BAFTAs because we did go to the BAFTAs in in London I don't know if oh the the award show Exactly. It's almost like uh, the Oscars, but in, in London. Wait, so you wore a straw dress to the BAFTAs? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, what's his name? Like it, right? Uh, oh, I don't the, remember. The guy from uh, Orlando Bloom or something? Oh, but... yes. He was there and he, he, he <laughs> gave a compliment <laughs> for my dress. I was like, oh, it's made out of straws. And he was like, wow, no way. <laughs> I couldn't believe that. that was <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, you know, sometimes we need to see those types of photos or we need to see something that evokes awe or that evokes emotion for us to like wake up sometimes and take action. And I saw a documentary, I don't remember what it was, probably on Netflix or something where they were filming people, I think in Switzerland during those annual meetings where it's like the billionaires going to talk about you know, it's like the Illuminati meetings or whatever. Um, and they were filming people watching this video about climate change and people were crying because they were watching the walruses slide down these hills and die at the bottom. And it's like, when you think of polar bears floating around on ice, like it's very sad, but when you actually see one struggling or dying with your, in front of your eyes, like it's, it's different. And so, I'm glad that we saw that with the turtles and the and the straw because it makes it real. Like it's like if a tree falls in the forest and you don't hear it, did it still fall? Yes. And if a mm -hmm. fish is choking on a straw or a turtle or a dolphin or something and it dies and you don't see it, it still died. And so, you know, we do need to um, face these things. And on one hand, as travelers, we consume less. You wrote that there's a truckload of clothing dumped into landfills every second. And as travelers, we travel light. We don't buy as much stuff, but then we consume in other ways. What are some ways that people can travel sustainably and really feel like they're making some kind of an impact? I would say to have like a basic travel kit. Uh, for instance, as I mentioned your own reusable water bottle. I know that on the planes, sometimes they will refuse to refill your, your water bottle, especially in coronavirus pandemic times. But you can always go to the back of the airplane and fill up your own water bottle. Uh, you can carry uh, a reusable bag too that you can fold, you know. It's always important also to check the forecast so you know uh, what kind of clothes you should wear. You, you know, never take like just in case items. And even you cut your own cutlery because also on the airplanes or sometimes some restaurants that you go to, they might have plastic ones. 
I made a joke that, you know, you can also carry a frisbee because you can use as a frisbee and make friends at the beaches or you can use as a plate, you know. I love that. <laughs> I never traveled with yeah. a frisbee before in my life and I'm never going anywhere without one again. <laughs> <laughs> and use as a fan as well. So, <sighs> Yeah, yeah, so like small things, they, they create a big impact, you know, that we don't realize. And also like, you know, your choices, because you have the voice to choose the, the world you want to have in the future. So make sure that you go to local restaurants instead of big chains. I know that sometimes it's, it's hard as a traveler because some people, they're in a budget, so they cannot spend a lot. But um Sometimes you find places and you're going to be surprised to find places that are not as expensive, but that we have more quality foods. In your book, you said to opt for green tourism. And I didn't even know that there were certifications, Green Globe, Earth Check, and membership to a green hotel association. I have never looked that up before, and I'm going to do that from now on. And bringing your own toiletries is a small thing, but it's so important too, because think of how many shampoo bottles all of us have collected over the years. And the reusable cutlery too is a really big one. Everywhere I go, I have my water bottle. I'm going to make like a sustainable travel shopping list. I know that's really like an oxymoron because you don't want to be buying more stuff. So you wrote <laughs> the most sustainable thing to do is to use what you already have. But if you do need to buy once something sustainable and then use it for like many years versus using 365 water bottles this year, then that is definitely better than the alternative. And, and like even going to Starbucks and getting a plastic wrapped plastic fork to eat your breakfast and throwing it away. Like these are all little things, but they really add up. Like you were saying bottled water companies are selling plastic, not water. And that like really hit me because it's basically what they're doing. And then even if you buy one drink per day while you're traveling, which a lot of people are buying multiple bottles of water per day, because the water might not be drinkable, might not be potable water. And you could spend up to $3,000 a year just on plastic drinks, basically, that are bad for your body and, and bad for the environment. And then another really cool tip that you had was to travel with a foldable bicycle. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've seen people with these bicycles and I love riding my bike. Everyone knows that from my my YouTube videos, my podcast, like I bike everywhere. Ever since I lived in Amsterdam, I'm just really into biking around and I never considered traveling with a foldable bike, but everywhere I go, if I would go for two or three months or six months, I would have to go buy a bike or find a used bike or rent a bike. And that gets really expensive. So I love that tip Yeah, and uh, shopping locally. And then also about souvenirs. So you said, don't buy unnecessary souvenirs. Photos and postcards are the best memories that you can have. And um, the souvenir industry can sometimes appear so innocent and bright and shiny, but underneath it's creating a lot of waste as well. So that's good to uh, be mindful of what you're buying for other people. Mm -hmm. So we'll link to your book and your eco-savvy traveler starting kit here, which has all kinds of cool stuff in it. Like even silk dental floss. I never even thought of that, that dental floss. <laughs> yes, right. Most of them, they're made out of plastic. And yes, our shampoo bottles, our conditioners. And for the bicycle, I had one that's called Brompton. It's on suitcase, so oh. it's amazing. And you have up to six gears. So, you know, you can use, like, either if you're in a place that's very healed. I remember that I I was in San Marino, I think, in Italy. And I didn't expect it to be such a high mountain. And we were, we were doing great, you know. And the wizards are so small that people would laugh at us, like, what are you thinking of doing, you know? And it's so lightweight too that you can go inside of the restaurants because sometimes as a traveler, you don't want to park your bike anywhere, right? Because it could get stolen. Exactly. So, oh, I'm glad you enjoyed the tips. Uh, 
you know, it's crazy that I stayed this long without traveling. You, you probably feel the same way. Yeah, it's a weird feeling. I, I feel like we'll get back out there soon. I mean, you have a baby mm-hmm. and your business now. Uh, that was one of the things I wanted to ask you also. So you had this dream job of working for this company that you visualized and basically manifested working for them, Cirque du Soleil, like one of the biggest brands in the world. You have this dream job where you're traveling all around the world for six years. You're managing the costume and wardrobe department. Like you have a great job title. And then why leave that to start your own company? Because I think a lot of people struggle with the golden handcuffs problem where they have a really good job and they don't want to give it up for the uncertainty of starting their own business. So what was it that, that drove you to make that decision? And then what were your next steps in, in starting your company? For Steve, as it sounds, it was for love. (laughs) I always followed my heart, no matter what, uh, my life decisions. And for sure, like it was a dream to work for Cirque du Soleil and, Believe me, it was really hard to leave that job, you know, because as you said, like it's a dream job for a lot of people. But then I realized that that was no longer my dream. And bigger than that dream was to have a family. And uh, in one of my trips, actually here, I came to Florida for the second time. And that's when I met Tommy through an app called tinder <laughs> oh you met on tinder i thought you met on twitter for some reason <laughs> okay i have friends who got married off of tinder too in tampa oh wow yeah so yeah so we met and uh i thought that he was very sweet because first of all it was really hard to get to meet because you know he was always busy me too but luckily i was staying here for four weeks like in the area you know i was implantation for two weeks and then I went to Miami for another two weeks and usually I would say only a week a place that's when my friends convinced me to download the app because they were like oh you know when you're staying longer so maybe you can meet someone I was like okay I will give it a try and then finally we met up and he invited me to come to his place to cook for me I told him that I miss like homemade food and he cooked for me and I love animals and he had two pets and uh, I look at his wall and I saw this picture with a very interesting frame. And when I came closer, I could see that they were like trash. <laughs> they were made out of marine debris. Yes, so apartment. I made out of beach trash. And- so it was like, you know, some bottle caps and some that terrible that I can't believe that people will use that the toothpicks huh. that the, the plastics, the plastics. <laughs> oh yeah that's so good I would clean it all first <laughs> I know but yeah that's something that you know we mentioned about the silk flaws and I I cannot believe that people still use that because that's so harmful for the environment and you know use imagine like if you use three in a day so yeah i saw that and he was like oh he was very shy you know i actually made this you know i don't spend trash i don't know how people are gonna say (laughs) i'm a surfer so every time i go to the beach i yeah i made it like a ritual to pick up at least a handful or more trash every time for the surf gods you know like yeah (laughs) good surf karma for sure (laughs) yeah Yeah, because especially as surfers you guys see a lot you know yes and it's unbelievable and uh yeah. so yeah so that's how we connect i was like wow i cannot believe this guy you know from tinder he has a very different mindset yeah, our first couple of dates were cleaning the beach and yes <laughs> oh, i love that i'm gonna connect you there's a dj do you know blondish i've heard of her yes i can put you guys in touch on instagram because she has a like a no plastic company now where they're working with events music industry to try to remove straws and reusable plastic cups from festivals and concerts and things like that and i know you have some tips and guidelines on that in your book too so i can connect you guys and they do beach cleanups here in miami so it's crazy how all these things happen yeah right synergy and she actually joined uh one of our friends clean up the clean my beach 
Oh, yeah. yeah, so they did an event together and apparently it went great. Yeah, she's out there every every other week at least, right? Oh, every week she every does week, a clean yeah. up. Oh, I yes. gotta go to that. We'll link to that too in the show notes because I'm out here. I bought a trash picker upper <laughs> from Amazon. And so every time I go down to the water in the marina or go paddle boarding, I just bring it with me because I know I'm going to see trash everywhere. I even bought these water shoes so I can walk through like the marshy parts and pick it up because it just bothers me to see it there. Yeah. And we should meet in person since you're in Miami, you know? Yeah. Do a beach clean? Yeah. We we might go to one in this weekend. This weekend because it's like many friends of ours because now we are part of this uh, Leader Free Florida group. And uh, it's amazing to see, you know, how we connected through trash. And we all want to protect nature, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So we have fill a bag and clean this beach up. It's a funny name. I like that. And it's a good way to meet people too. And like I read that you joined a beach cleanup in was it in mumbai in india oh yes <laughs> and how many how much trash did you guys pick up there i think it was hundreds of pounds that you wrote yes and uh that guy he's amazing he has turned the beach into paradise again you know right he, imagine like it's the same with you you know you're from saint augustine right mm-hmm. you're used to go to the beach and see like animals and turtles and then you live for 10 years when you come back it's like fill out garbage it's it's so sad and he was able to to change that you know and to bring this new mindset to the people there and we had like over ten thousand uh, volunteers if i'm not wrong and the turtles, they came back, you know, it's, it's possible. It's not. Because yeah, turtles weren't nesting there because there's so much trash. And... Mm-hmm. So you had 10,000 people, locals and tourists all coming together to clean this beach. And as a result, sea turtles come back to the beach for the first time and start laying eggs and sea turtles hatching for the first time in years. That just gives me chills. Right. <laughs> Was there anywhere that you noticed in your travels that had really a lot of pollution? And what were some countries that eco-conscious people might be attracted to go to to see that they're doing a good job with it? Like, were there any countries you went to that you were impressed with the way that they were um, managing waste and recycling and their society versus what were the places that needed the most help mm-hmm. uh, definitely like in europe i would say switzerland but even there you would be surprised that some people they still send their organics for recycling uh with some stickers you know when the fruits comes with stickers it's very important to remove that yeah and for composting for composting yes Denmark, it's a great one too they even had the first uh, sustainable they would call it shopping mall <laughs> because you could buy uh, secondhand things, you know, when I say it's like tires and pieces of machinery, if you need to fix something, it was, it's quite amazing. Oh, wow. Like stuff that would end up in a landfill otherwise. Exactly. Yes. So for sure for the composting and the ones that, we're not to uh, Israel with the water because they they turn the the salt water into drinkable water, right? Oh, right. They have an amazing system there. Right. But then I think in the Gaza, the water's very contaminated, right? Oh, in Gaza, yes. Yeah, that's because unfortunately, you know, that's a political war, and yeah, they don't want to help out the people from the the Gaza Strip or, you know, from Palestine that's just, like, across the street. I don't know if you've ever been there to Israel. No. It's crazy that if you you want to travel from Jerusalem or, like, Tel Aviv to the Dead Sea, you have to pass through Palestine. And uh, it's shocking. It's, like, you know, alarming. The difference between Israel and Palestine. And it seems to be the same area. I mean, it's the same area because they have to pass through Palestine and used to meet in Israel. 
Wow. I really want to go over there. My friend Matt, he has a podcast called The Maverick Show. I know a lot of people who listen to mine listen to it. And he just had two episodes interviewing his friend who's from Palestine, moved to North Carolina, then became a world traveler. And now she moved back to Palestine to work over there in uh, farming and seeds and things like that. So that was, we'll link to those episodes as well if people want to learn more about that area. That's awesome. So uh, India, unfortunately, is a very polluted place. I remember that one time we could barely breathe because of the, the air pollution in Delhi. Mm. The, the normal air quality should be up to 50, 60 tolerable but we reached it to a point that was 800 oh my gosh yes and our singer she had to use like oxygen mask during the breaks that she had during the the show otherwise she couldn't breathe and i was that's insane yes and as a matter of fact we did a, a photo shoot there i did a project there where we wore masks because we wanted to protest that, you know, we want the world to see that people, they couldn't breathe fresh air. They had no rights to have fresh air, you know, something that we take for granted anywhere else. And then the pandemic happened and they had their air quality went up, you know, it was like one of the least times in their lives that they were able to breathe fresh air because of the pandemic, because, you know, their air pollution was was low right because manufacturing stopped temporarily exactly i wonder Mm -hmm. what what it is now because i remember reading about that but then i think it was like getting worse after because then they were trying to go double production exactly oh my gosh Mm -hmm. yeah and uh my the illustrator of the book she's from new delhi in india oh really uh, yeah so she mentioned that that unfortunately is going back to what it was or even worse because you know people wants to catch up with whatever they lost and uh, and the economy as well apparently the pandemic is not doing great there yeah actually I love the illustrations in your book and I wanted to ask you who did them so they're so beautiful everyone Jeff definitely check out Luana's book and then um, tell us a little bit about what your company does and what type of products that you offer? Lutom was born because of us, you know, this love between Tom and I. And uh, I decided to start my own company because I took the sabbatical from Cirque du Soleil and he was already uh, selling some water bottles and bamboo toothbrushes in order to replace the ones that you know, we'll find so many. Yeah, the toothbrush she actually gave me as a gift was one of the first things she gave me. Like, and I never had a bamboo toothbrush. I'm like, oh, this is awesome. Like, it's such a good, like, alternative to plastic ones. And then, yeah, I'm like, man, I could actually sell these, you know? Like, it's, yeah. it's just, I, want, I just want people to, like, just change their habits. And I didn't see, you don't see a lot, like, Walgreens. You don't see, like, bamboo toothbrushes, not like that. Like, so I was like, well, there's a market for it, so... So as his uh, background is in, in design as well, he would make the designs for the bottles and we could like put their name of the customers on, on the toothbrushes. So the company started as a start for people who would like to replace their plastic consumption. So uh, with uh, reusable and long lasting products such as the thermos bottles that can hold 24 ounces and it keeps your water cold so not only are you like you you're more environmentally friendly your water's cold all day too and yeah it's easy to switch really and it doesn't just, taste like plastic <laughs> exactly and it's no not BPA. Yeah, no bpa uh and the toothbrushes are also great for travelers because some people say that they have the electric ones oh right yes but there are people now making the heads out of bamboo oh so okay. even on amazon you can find that uh, so instead of buying the plastic ones. And uh, I knew about this fabric that's made in Brazil with German technology. That's the first biodegradable polyamide in the world. That is amazing. Yeah, which is, a, is an amazing technology. Unfortunately, uh, elastin, it's not biodegradable. But lycra, lycra mm-hmm. 
uh, the brand, they started recycling their own elastic. So that's from eight to 10% of that fabric that's not biodegradable. But other than that, it biodegrades up to three years when in contact with the batteries from the landfill. Okay. So, or other natural like polyamides will last like hundreds of years if they. Oh yes, degrade. nylon. Yes. But it has the same properties of, of like a workout, you know, sweat wicking and the stretchability and. And uh, as working with you know artists that would spend their whole days in working out clothes, that's how we decided to start making uh, active wear clothing with this fabric. And the thing is, like, you can you cannot really uh, use secondhand working out or, you know, underwear or bikinis. Yeah. So that's why I thought it w- was in a fantastic innovation, you know, and I really pushed this fabric. And I, I, we are actually representing this fabric here to whichever brand wants to use because the more the merrier because we want, you know, the world to be aware of it and and make the, the fashion industry a cleaner industry because it's one of the most polluting. And where does that come from? Does it come from Brazil? Yes. Wow. Uh-huh. So the technology is from Rodia, uh, a German company, but it's made in Brazil. Okay. See, I'm your ideal client. <laughs> I basically, <laughs> right, I saw you. Yeah, wearing. I'm, I'm wearing my workout clothing right now. Mm-hmm. And I love that your, your clothing is made for exercising, traveling, and quote, wandering around, which is basically <laughs> being a nomad. And so now all of us are just working from home. You guys are here as a family, running your company from home. You've got your baby, you're on the podcast. It's like your baby's <laughs> literally on the podcast with us. <laughs> and I'm <laughs> good too. I'm wearing my yoga clothes. I'm working from home. Like I think everyone listening uh, definitely can appreciate comfortable clothing while working. Maybe not working without pants, which is what some people have been caught doing on uh, (laughs) Zoom calls and on the news and things where they're like wearing a suit and boxers underneath. Um, But yeah, having comfortable biodegradable clothes that you can wear basically a digital nomad uniform because you can wear it at home, you can wear it exercising, you can wear it traveling and you can reuse it for a long time and then and then let it biodegrade. So do you have any tips for uh, working from home, especially as a couple? Have a schedule, don't, you know, <laughs> like have a schedule and like, this is how long we're gonna work. And then we have like family time and like, you know, online time. Yeah, because otherwise you work 24 hours a day, right? Because yeah, been there. <laughs> and you don't take the breaks. Yeah, so it's very important to have a schedule and have the the water break you know even if it's just like going to your kitchen and you know uh, texting a friend or giving a phone call for sure like wearing comfortable clothing is is a must (laughs) i love that but i think it's also important like to wash your face you know and try to change your clothes uh, once you're awake (laughs) because otherwise it's yeah don't wear your pajamas to work Uh, that's for sure (laughs) Okay, well, thank you guys so much for coming on and, and taking some time out of your work day. And where can people follow you on Instagram or to check out your products online? Our Instagram is at luton.world, L-U-T-O-M. And uh, our, our, our website's luton.world too. Mm-hmm. And it's basically just, yeah, Luton world, luton.world. Okay. Instagram, our website. Yes, and our products, they're being sold at uh, Coconut Grove, where I think you found us there, that's right? That's where I'm living now, yeah. Oh, yeah. that's nice. It's a very nice area. Yes. And Pillow uh, Market at Citadel. I don't know if you know the Citadel mm-hmm. in Little Haiti. And, um, and Wynwood as well at Wynwood Tribe. It's a very nice store, too. And then I would like to just tell everyone listening to definitely download a copy of your ebook, the Eco Savvy Traveler Handbook Guidebook. I learned so much. You can read it in a couple hours. And I learned an incredible amount about sustainability and travel and things that should really be taught in public schools. 
and I picked up so many tips for my travels and I took screenshots of like 25 pages <laughs> just to save, Aww. just to reference, um, like on a day-to-day -day basis. So it was really, really useful. I'm so glad that you put it out there. You're giving me motivation to finish my book. And um, yeah, thank you so much for being here. Yes, thank you. I just thank wish you. I was good uh, to talk as I am to write. And all. Oh, no. <laughs> it's a challenge for me. <laughs> the fact that you speak multiple languages is admirable enough. So mm -hmm. you did great. Thank you. Appreciate <laughs> You're doing definitely an amazing job. <laughs> Thank you so much. Likewise, Christian. <laughs> Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. I hope today's podcast gave you a lot of ideas of how you can live and travel in a greener way. If you enjoyed this episode, feel free to share it with someone you love or leave us a review. You can leave a review on any of your favorite podcast platforms or go to lovethepodcast.com slash digital nomad to leave a review. And if you'd like to support our ad-free podcast, you can do so by joining my Patreon community at patreon.com slash travelingwithkristin or by buying me a coffee or sending a donation at badassdigitalnomads.com slash donate. Thanks again for listening and see you again next week.